This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 42. I'm John DiCarlo, OwlScoop.com's editor, joined by Kyle Gauss, OwlScoop.com's assistant editor, and Declan Landis with us. No one else, no Javon, no Caden. They both graduated yesterday. Congratulations to them. Ramir is out. He's food shopping, he said, right? Yeah. Very nutritious human being. He's our nutritional center. Uh, Johnny couldn't make it. So yeah, it's just uh, just the three of us. What's going on, guys? We're out here. I mean, uh, you said <laughs> you said Javon and Caden graduated yesterday as if that meant like, and we bid them adieu. Like, we'll never see them again. No, we'll like, see them again. Javon, like, they just could not make this recording. Yeah, yeah. He just couldn't. Caden, we didn't hear from. Caden just, just blew All us right, off. Caden has made it pretty known, like, good yeah. seeing you guys. See you at the 10-year reunion. <laughs> sent us a nice heartfelt message yesterday. That was that was good. I watched Temple's commencement with with Declan up in the in the second level of Leacore Center. Declan was very spirited. Sam Cohen made the trip up with Ray Dunn. We all sat and shared our shared our sentiments yeah it was a good time other than the fact that you know it was it was very long it was my first like college graduation i ever went to um i don't want to say i was bored you were bored no yeah yeah i mean i I was bored it's it's for moms it's just for like let me hear my son's name as they cross the the threshold and i'm going to clap and hoot and then we're going to do this three thousand more times (laughs) I thought yeah, that was good. I mean, like, I was very proud the, you know, the times that we were cheering. I, I was pumped. Like, I, you know, it was good to see him graduate. You know, I was very, very proud of, of Vaughn and Caden and uh, my other friends. But, you know, past that, I was like, you know, good for you guys. But, I mean, let's, you know, let's keep it moving, you know. And, right. and people, people were dancing and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is great. But, like, you know, we don't, we don't need to see that. You know, just, you know, get your degree. Let's go. What are you going to do when you walk across the stage? You know, I talked about that yesterday. I have the, I'm going to de- graduate in December of like 2024. So mm-hmm. it's a smaller, it's a smaller ceremony because not as many people graduate in December. So I said in I was gonna, what's that? Can't you walk in May? Don't they give you that option if you're a December grad? Not really. Not really. They prefer that you walk in December. Gives a shit what they prefer about <laughs> what they prefer. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm going to, I'm going to try and push for it, but they're, they're very stingy with like, letting people graduate in the spring if you or walk in the spring if you graduate in, the, in december i think i mean the subsequent spring yeah but yeah that's six what i mean hmm. yeah so i might like i was gonna say you know flex and scream and like let's go but i mean it's it's gonna be like a smaller venue so it's not the leah chorus center it's all the reason I why all, why you should do right it. yeah that'll fill your voice your voice will fill the arena more if you let out like a like, somebody's grandma while i'm you know celebrating my achievements you know what i mean like <laughs> I was trying to be, you know, conscious. You gotta be selfish in these moments. Who cares if if Mima came here and she has a bad ticker? Like you're, That's you true. gotta Mima's celebrate not you. Paying for my degree, so, exactly. I mean, you know, so you know, we're on the fence. We've There's got very few moments in life. Very few moments in life to puff your chest out and say like, "I am Declan. I did this." So this is okay. one of those moments. We'll figure it out. I can do the worm. So I did think about that, but I think that's just too much. John, I'm gonna say this, and this is gonna sound very mean. But I'm legit, do you have a filter on or something? 
Do I have a filter Me? on? You no, John. You look very tired today. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah, I am very tired. Like, yes. I was like, you look like you like if they took like Declan's face and they were like, let's put the old man filter on it. Like it looks <laughs> like it's just like like you just look tired. It's the end, I of, am. Long, end of a long week. Yeah. <laughs> when Kyle says this is going to sound mean, but and you're like, where's he going with this? I thought he was talking because the lamp was right next to my face. No, you, we haven't even addressed. (laughs) Yeah. You pretending to be E.T. hanging out amongst the stuffed animals. You do. That's exactly (laughs) what you look like. (laughs) You got to do what you got to do to get good audio. You know? Declan, have you seen E.T.? No. No. Well, there's a moment where Drew Barrymore tries to hide him because she doesn't want him to be stolen. So she puts him amongst her stuffed animals. Oh. And it's in the clean. I might have to move because it's really hot in here. You're going to tough it out. Speaking of ET, there's actually an Al Scoop tie to that. We were on a, a road trip and Kyle would just take my iPod and listen to it and everything that was on it, he found <laughs> He found among the many soft rock songs I have in my music collection, Neil Diamond, a song called Heartlight that was on the E.T. soundtrack, which I'm sure you haven't heard before. I wouldn't expect you to have heard it. Yeah, he never saw the iconic movie, but he heard it. Yeah, <laughs> he heard yes, it. He, I he, love the soundtrack. <laughs> I was like, Kyle, you can skip past this. And he was like, shh. No le- skips. Legitimately fond of the song. That's I will say that to Kyle. Like, he will listen. He will give your musical library a shot. He's a lot less judgmental than I am. That's fair, I right? Respect. In general, I think I'm less judgmental than you. Oh, oh, in general? No, 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 no. No, don't try to slip that. Uh, Anyway, uh, famous number 42s, guys. Uh, Jackie Robinson. Yes. That was mine. Mo Vaughn. Mariano Rivera. Uh, Dave Henderson. And then that's probably about it. Uh, We talked about Ronnie Lott last week, so I had that in the dome just in case. See, I feel like with baseball, it's like you basically eliminated... The last like 60, well, I, I guess there's obviously outliers like Rivero, but for the most part, people coming up nowadays are not going to be like, let me wear 42 as my regular number. So just falling off. It's true. Not that I won't get nauseous talking about the Sixers, but doesn't Al Horford wear 42? I, I hate that Thanks. man. I hate yeah. that man more than like, <laughs> anyway, they're, they're like the most unlikable basketball team of all time. And I don't know if I'm talking about the Sixers or the Celtics. <laughs> like they're like the, fair. Like the Celtics are just full of just like shitheads. And I'm like, I hate every one of you. <laughs> and then the Sixers, I'm like, cool, you guys crumble for the last six minutes of every game. I hate every one of you. Okay. Yeah, uh, James Worthy too. James the Worthy, there we go. A Laker in in honor of Javon. It's a solid. That's a it's a solid uh, solid list, right? I think I've said this to Javon though, but like you don't get in honor of Javon for being a cross country Lakers fan. <laughs> like there's other people you can be like, that guy's born and raised in LA. Like in honor of this guy, this is this Laker. Like Javon just chose the Lakers. So good for him. He got as many rings as he could out of it. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I was still waiting for one. Al Horford. But it's fine. You know, he, he makes up for it for, by being an Orioles fan. So it's like, you know. That is a great point. It, it's a give and yeah. take. That's a great point. He does have to suffer with that. Yeah. But they're pretty good this year. Kyle, are you yeah. going to watch Game 7? Or are you just expecting Yeah. To- no, it's a loser mentality to not watch it. Yeah. To just like chalk it up as like, I'm not even going to. Like, I'm going in with very low expectations. Like, I expect them to lose. But to just be like, screw that. I don't care anymore. I might even give them a shot when they're 48 minutes away from potentially making the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, no, I'll watch. Declan, are you are we talking about this? Do you care about the Sixers? You're you're a Giants oh, yeah. fan because you like Eli Manning somehow. Yeah, and I'm Philly everything else. 
Okay. So yeah, I will be it's watching wild. and I probably will be disappointed, but you know what? It's it's like Kyle said, you can't give up because it's like, the loser mentality. That's like what they want you to think. You liked Eli Manning before he retired. I liked Eli Manning before they beat the Patriots the first time. So I was like three so years you, old. But Eli Manning's likable now. He wasn't likable when yeah. he was a player. <laughs> oh, he was like, lovable when he was a player. What are you talking about? Uh, I loved Eli Manning. You remember uh, being three years old and saying, thing. wait, you remember being three years old and saying, Ma, I'm going to be a big no. Eli Manning fan. No, first ballot, no. By the, first ballot, no, but he's a Hall of Famer. I'll give you that. No, he's yeah. a Hall of Famer. I just yeah, say first famer. ballot because it gets yeah. people mad. He's a Hall um, of Famer. I like, I, I remember being a Giants fan, but I don't remember like specifically saying Eli. I just remember always loving Eli. Like that was my first football jersey. Like I always was drawn to Eli, but my dad says that that was like, was three years old was the the time I really started getting into it. So, I mean, you know, you live with the consequences. I had to live through Ben McAdoo, but I also got to live through two Super Bowls. So that was pretty cool. When I was three years old, my favorite athlete was OJ Simpson. So also Ooh. took a drastic change. <laughs> We, also had to <laughs> we went two opposite directions. <laughs> Loved isotopes. Wait, how old were you? I was three during uh, the OJ chase. <laughs> oh my God. It was 92, right? 92? No, I think it was 94, right? Oh, so I would have been five. I thought it was 92. I thought it was 94. 94, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was five years old. So I had two good years. Before, was it, before was it in June? Was it in June of 94? It was September, I think, right? No, that's the case. The, the trial was in September. So like, when did he run away? He got arrested. Yeah, it was during the finals, June, June thirteenth. They uh, they were out there. Yes, I believe. Uh, I believe we were watching it during senior week because I was a senior in high school in nineteen ninety four to age myself. Okay, Declan, I still don't have to <laughs> pop out of your head. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. It's, it's not a filter, Declan. It's yeah. not a filter. It's just how he looks. <laughs> and we were shut up. We were watching. We were watching on TV in a hotel room in Ocean City, Maryland, and uh, we were like, "Did you wow. have the rabbit ears?" And they're like, "Johnny, get up there, hold the rabbit ears." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we were consuming Zima. So yeah, that's uh, what was going on back then. Um, yeah, SNL skit. What a time. <laughs> There's an SNL skit about Zima. I, I, we definitely talked about this. It's yeah. essentially an SNL skit about a guy getting his like high school babysitter drunk off Zima so he could take advantage of her. Oh my it's God. a terrible skit. They only aired it like once or twice, and they're like, we can't keep, we can't keep airing this. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were otherwise having uh, good, clean fun, and then watching that, we we're like, wow, this is, uh, this is something else. Anyway, there's no good way to segue out of that. We've covered our 42s as always. The Scoop is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. In Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans Law. Dot com. That's greenspans-law.com. So as always, we have a lot to get to, a couple of really important basketball recruiting updates, a football recruiting update, a few more mailbag questions have trickled in. Temple now has Georgetown transfer Jordan Riley in the fold and Howard transfer Steve Settle the third in the fold. Those were two priorities heading into this week for Temple. So Jordan Riley took his official visit to Temple this past weekend. And then Steve Settle took his official visit, started Wednesday night, spent all day 
on campus Thursday, and he announced his verbal commitment. If you have stayed locked into Al Scoop and subscribed, you'll continue to get the latest recruiting updates and know when some of this good news is on the way. Uh, so our first Steve, uh, first Steve Settle story is up on the site now. So subscribers will be able to get a more in-depth look at Steve and the longer feature that we're going to have up this weekend. When I talked to Steve this morning, uh, prior to him announcing his verbal commitment, we talked for about a half hour, gave me a ton of good stuff. So I didn't want to leave uh, a lot of that good stuff out. You'll hear from him in a few minutes on the podcast here. You'll see uh, in the story that's up on the site now, some insight into why he picked Temple. So he had some recruiting interest from programs like Penn State, Oklahoma State, VCU when he first hit the portal, and then he ultimately chose between Temple and GW this time around. So, I mean, he's a 6'10", 180-pound pound forward, had a nice year for Howard. This was a, a really historical season for them, their best since 1992, their first NCAA tournament appearance in, in a long time. And then they, of course, uh, faced Kansas in the first round, got knocked out in the first round. It's a 16 seed, but... Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you on this. I mean, just we'll, and we'll get to Jordan Riley. I guess we'll work backwards on this. What does this mean for Temple? I mean, obviously, Adam Fisher had a ton of work to do when he took over and has had to farm the the transfer portal and 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 get guys that way. Steve Settle was a priority for them. What does it mean to them now that they got him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the interesting or the most important part is it was a guy they identified as a priority and that they were able to close upon uh, close on. Which you know, a couple of weeks ago, and all to be all in. To be blunt, like they weren't being that they weren't having that much success doing that. Um, in the past couple of weeks, they've gotten a lot better with Barry, Riley, Settle, three guys that they've identified and think that they have a uh, future at Temple that they've now hit on. For Settle himself, um, I think he kind of hits that role of like, yeah, should he re- in reality with his current body size be like a three or a stretch four? Sure. But are you are they going to play him in the five as kind of an undersized big and kind of work the offense through him, but also give him the opportunity to kind of shoot threes? Yes. Uh, I think he said on the on the site that he thinks he needs to gain like 10, 15 pounds. He also was 85 pounds when he was a freshman in high school. Yep. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think even I, and I was tiny in high school. I think even I was like a hundred, well, I was like 105 pounds in as mm-hmm. a freshman. But I think it's a guy that comes in with a proven track record. Like, yes, it's at a lower level, but this isn't um this isn't a situation where they show somebody they're like, okay. Yeah, he didn't have that much success at a lower level, but we we like some of his skill sets and we think it can project up here. He's been a day one contributor at Howard. After redshirting, he started every game since then, 66 games. He's averaged 12 and a half points. I think he's a guy that if you had to scrimmage tomorrow, he's probably a starter on this team. Um, I don't know what they'll do with those remaining two scholarships, if somebody else comes in or if maybe a guy like Touch Tweet's really gotten a lot better during the offseason. But I think he's a guy you can expect to see play a lot of minutes, for example. Yeah, for both of you, I'll throw this question out to you. He's obviously a couple inches taller than him, but is he a guy like maybe a better a better shooting version? Again, he's got some work to do on a shot, but is this maybe had had someone like Nick Jordan stayed? Is this a guy who's maybe a couple inches taller than Nick Jordan and a guy in that in that role that Temple could use? Again, I, I think he'll be he'll be more of like a, a in Adam Fisher's offense, kind of like a pick and pop five. Even though, like you said, he's built like a stretch four or like a more of a three or a four, but does that kind of, you know, we'll never know how Adam Fisher would have used Nick Jordan, but is he that type of player that, that maybe even a tad better? Maybe. I mean, we need to see how he plays on this, you know, sort of level, but it's like Kyle said, it's a guy that can stretch the floor and it's a big, it's a recruiting win, which is going to be huge. They need that kind of momentum going into the summer, getting guys on the roster. Um, Javon mentioned in last week's episode that they needed big men. 
And this is, you know, uh, this is a big man to add to the to the front court. Somebody that can maybe go in and get a rebound, but most importantly, can stretch the floor in ways that Jordan maybe couldn't have. I don't know what he offers defensively compared to Jordan, um, who was a hustle guy that could go and that got a lot of blocks, got a lot of stops um, in crucial parts in games. Uh, But he definitely adds something offensively that Jordan didn't. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make is offensively. Yeah, I think you could say, okay, he's kind of what you hoped Nick Jordan would be, which is he has the size and he can kind of shoot the threes a better uh, clip than Nick Jordan could. But defensively, like to give Nick Jordan his flowers, he was a hell of a shot blocker, which Steve Settle has yet to really show at this level. Like, yeah, he's averaged like one a game. So like it's definitely something he can do. But he hasn't gone out and had these like four, five, six block performances like Nick Jordan has in the past. So um, he mentioned guarding the team's best player, which appears to be the in vogue uh, quote about uh, for yeah, uh, Fisher said that too. He said that to Jordan Riley. He said it to to Steve. Said Scott. about Jaleel, about Isaiah yeah. Miller. Yeah. yeah. So like, look and look with that length, maybe he does. Like, if he's agile enough, maybe he does have the ability to kind of lock down some 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 wings if he's quick enough. But I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be a guy that sits with his back to the basket and just swats three blocks a game. So yeah. that would yeah. be the uh, next step. I would, I would say. Yeah, and again, we've talked about the fact that in in Adam Fisher's offense, at least so far, I mean, I think we've gotten the impression that his bigs are going to be again if they have the ability to do so, be more of these pick and pop type of guys. Can you be a very good above average screen setter who can roll out, roll the elbow, roll to the roll to the perimeter and knock down a shot? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, and, you, and you'll hear him. Uh, eventually, I'll have the full interview posted for our subscribers, which really wants to work on every aspect of his game. But here's a guy that they could really use in that pick and pop type of role, whereas a guy like Emmanuel Ocpomo, who might still, until he proves himself, might be a little bit more of like a depth guy. but He's not that type of player, but he could be that type of player for Temple, at least to lock some minutes there. But the the five in, in Adam Fisher's offense is going to look a little different. So, like I said, I talked to him for about a half hour this morning, had a great conversation with him. He gave me a ton of insight into his game, uh, just how he developed growing up. Like Kyle said, I mean, he was he grew a lot. He grew more than a foot in high school playing for a really, really loaded the math program there and really didn't have much of a high level recruitment ends up at Howard red shirts there um, then had three really good seasons. He's coming to temple with two years of eligibility left. So this part of our interview here that we're going to play for you is Steve Settle talking about why, you know, why he connected with Adam Fisher, how Adam Fisher recruited him. And then the specifics of how Adam Fisher showed him he could improve his game. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's genuine. Like you can, a player can always tell uh, when a coach is, is is not being genuine. And for me, um, the energy and, and positivity and happiness he brought um, to the game, uh, talking about me and especially you know my areas of improvement, I think that was the biggest thing for me. You know, going on visits, everyone likes to show you your highlights um, and what you do well. I think with Coach Fisher, he didn't really show me. I mean, he showed me a couple things I do well, but for me, just seeing how much I can improve and how drastic, uh, slight improvements will, you know, take me, um, I think was huge for me. So, you know, that was mostly his presentation was areas of improvement. And that was, that's big for me because I know um, I still have so, you know, so long to go until I'm, I'm, I'm at my potential. So. You know, you're 6'10", but you can shoot the ball. You can do a lot of things. You're very versatile. But what is what has he told you in terms of where he thinks you can improve and where you can get to as a player? I think with him, his main thing is just instilling confidence in me. Um, and he, he knows, like, a couple tweaks, uh, you know, with my 
with my jump shot um, in terms of, you know, confidence and, and getting better shots. And, you know, just just stuff like that uh, to help me become more efficient is going to take uh, my analytics right where they need to be uh, for a person, you know, my size. Um, so that was kind of the main thing is just, you know, small tweaks here and there. Um, and he showed me, you know, my percentiles and, and how they would be affected if the tweaks were to take place. And, you know, a couple, you know, points here and there, a couple uh, free throws here and there, and it, it, the, the, it just jumped drastically. So... I think just I had never seen that before analytically. Um, so seeing that for the first time, it, it just made me want to, you know, get to work right away. I ain't going to lie. All right. So that's kind of the theme that we're picking up on. And, and we'll transition here into Jordan Riley, the Georgetown transfer. When coaches are recruiting in the portal, it is you have to react quickly. You're Some people are trying to cast a wide net. Some people, depending on their priorities, can zero in on a couple of guys. But it moves so quickly. And Jordan Riley had talked about how, yeah, if you look at my stats, they're not going to jump out at you. But I feel like Adam Fisher really sat with me and broke down my game film and talked about why he likes me and then where I could improve. Now, Steve Staddle's stats looked, you know, they look better. They look pretty respectable. Whereas Jordan Riley, he had a good stretch of basketball earlier this year when he was in Georgetown starting lineup for a little while. But th that seems to be the theme. And in addition to what Kyle was talking about, hey, you're going to guard the opposing team's best player and stuff like that. It sounds like he's on a little bit of a role recently, Adam Fisher and his staff where they're connecting with kids and saying, okay, this is where we can really, really use you. I'm not just going to, as Steve said, show you just your highlights, but we're going to show you where you can get better here. So again, if, if you look at a guy like Jordan Riley, a guy that averaged a little bit more than four points per game uh, in his couple seasons with, with Georgetown, but now a guy with, you know, with some, some length and athleticism, you know, about six, five strong guy. Um, you get him for a couple more years and, uh, it was a former top one hundred and fifty recruit had a, a, you know, pretty impressive recruiting profile. And, um, of course not a whole lot went wrong or excuse me, went right for Georgetown, especially over the last couple of years. I mean, they went seven and 25 this season, two and 18 in the big East they had that very dubious, uh, stretch for it without a, a big East win, but, yeah, 4.2 points per game in his two seasons with Georgetown and 4.6 points and 2.8 rebounds in 25 games this season. He started nine, and that's when he started to pick up some momentum. But Kyle, again, going back to you on this one, and there's a mailbag question from one of our subscribers where he's asking us for an early forecast on the starting lineup. But what do you make of the Jordan Riley edition? Again, it, here's a guy who... First time around, not unlike uh, unlike Steve Settle, had a more high-profile recruitment this time around, and he was honest when I talked to him. He said, my, I didn't have high major coaches reaching out to me, and I thought, you know, where am I going to go? But again, here's a guy, if you look at his, at his skill set and the athleticism, where do you think he can fit in with this team? Yeah, I mean, I think I can think of a lot of Temple players over the last 15, 20 years that probably hit, fit this mold of, athletically, he's an NBA player like when it comes to just sheer athleticism he has nba athleticism the issue is he needs to show consistently that he can make deep range shots and that fits the mold of somebody like napier louis or quentin rose or all these players that have come into temple with maybe like okay that's the thing they need to work upon i think defensively he's ready day one i think athletic athletically he's ready day one uh it's it's the shooting so is there any offense if Adam Fisher is going to let players shoot the three as much as he says? Is there any offense that 
fits that better of, hey, you need to get better at threes. Let's Here's plenty of live bullets for you to try to attempt threes. I'm not sure. Um, so I think if they all of a sudden you can wave the wand, you can make him a, a 35% three-point shooter, then I think he has the potential to be an impact player at the American level. Uh, if he doesn't, and then it just ends up being like, okay, no, he's he's a 20, 25% three-point shooter. It's really not part of his game, really never developed. Then he's probably a little limited in the sense that he'll be a, a D and drive guy instead of three and D where, yeah, he can slash, you can kind of get to the rim, which they're also going to need. They're not just going to go out there and shoot 63s a game. Uh, they are going to need to score in transition, play fast, make points off of D off defense. I think he's a good piece. I think he's a guy that recruiting wise had a big, big recruitment. Uh, it's like, like Quante Berry, like big recruitments, big offers, uh, didn't work out for whatever reason. I mean, Georgetown is, you might as well throw all that stuff to the side because that was just such a cluster of a situation for the last couple of years down there. Uh, like there's a reason that there has been a coaching change down there. Um, so hopefully it's a better situation up here. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the ones that might catch more attention down the line because he really has the potential to kind of play above what he's done so far in two years in the Big East. If, if you look at this stretch earlier in the season from about January 4th to January 16th, so he, he started to get going, scored in, in double figures in three of those four games. He had 12 against Villanova at home. Now he went 4 of 10, 0 of 3, 0 of 3 from 3, and then started to pick up more confidence. 5 of 9 from the floor against Marquette in 31 minutes. 4 of 9 from the floor against Seton Hall in 32 minutes. And then he added, you know, arguably his – his best game of the year, which I believe was his, his career high at Villanova, uh, 18 points in 30 minutes, eight of 12 from the floor, two of three from three. And then the following game, you know, about five days later against Xavier, again, he goes two of three from three, only nine points, but a guy that that showed some flashes. And again, I mean, we, we've talked ad nauseum about how Temple right now, from an NIL perspective, is not going to be getting the, the cream of the crop guys out of the portal who are getting upwards of yeah, half a million dollars in, in NIL, NIL money. So they're they're not going to be getting that. But uh, I agree with you. I think he's an important piece in terms of what he could be defensively. Another guy who was told by Adam Fisher, you're going to be, again, you're going to be guarding the the best player on the floor. I mean, Declan, when you, you, you called several games this year and you've been writing for us for Al Scoop, but you called several Temple games this year and you were you were there, you saw the team a lot. When you started seeing guys leaving the portal, I mean, if you were if you were Adam Fisher, I mean, what off the top of your head, were you, what were you thinking of their top needs? Do you think they've started to slowly but surely check them off the list now? I think they addressed a lot of the issues with scorers. I think there's no question that Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle were their two biggest scorers, and it was hard to get anybody else going when those two guys weren't going, uh, which happened quite a bit at times where that either one was was firing on all cylinders or both of them were kind of struggling and trying to facilitate. I think they have gone out and done that with guys like Quante Berry, guys like Jordan Riley, uh, but they've struggled with replacing Jameel Reynolds, who was a big-time post-scorer when he was utilized that way. They don't have. They went out and addressed the backcourt and went out and got you know some guards that can play. Uh, my only issue with that is you know they haven't with Quante and uh, with Jordan Riley. You know, they have kind of the same concern where either they haven't shot that many threes or they've said themselves, like Quante Berry last week on the scoop said that, you know, he needs to work on his, his three-point shooting and he needs to be more aggressive from beyond the arc. Uh, that might be a concern, especially with how Fisher likes to play. 
and likes to get those threes up. But they need to get out somebody that can score in the post, somebody that can get rebounds, which they struggled with as well, you know, kind of ending possessions on the defensive end and then getting second chances on the offensive end. Uh, so I don't think they've addressed that quite yet, but I do think they have some guys now that can go out and get you a bucket when you need it. And they have some good defense in the backcourt, which is important, but they need at least one guy that can go out and, you know, be in the paint, get rebounds, that kind of thing. So until then, it might be a bit of a struggle. Yeah, and we'll have to see again. I don't think we, we, we talked earlier in the podcast here about how Adam Fisher might use his post players much differently than your traditional back-to-the-basket guy. Again, I don't think if they ever had the chance to get a guy like Jameel Reynolds, again, I don't think it by any means that they'll be like, nah, we're, we're not interested. And again, like kudos to Aaron McKee and the former staff for for finding him and doing their due diligence. And when they listen to, to Johnny Dawkins and saying, hey, if you can get him in shape, he could be really good for you. And we've talked, of course, several times about how a lot of these guys have transferred on to some pretty prominent programs. I don't know. Well, again, we'll... With the two scholarships they have left, we have some insight on that about how they might use those last two spots. So again, if you're an Alscoop.com subscriber, you'll you'll get some updated information on that. We'll see. We'll see how they use their bigs. I think when you talk about the post play, I think it might be less about the scoring and more about do you have, like Kyle said earlier, do you have good rim protectors? Again, you might Steve Settle might be maybe he's a he might end up being a more polished offensive player, but let's not forget what Nick Jordan did to help them win you know, their biggest game of the year, just what what he was in, in the post there. And yeah, sometimes he struggled with his identity. Do I want to step out and shoot threes? Do I want to try to post up a little bit more? But yeah, we'll see what they do with those last two scholarships. Again, you'll get some some insight into that if you are an Scoop subscriber. Have a couple clips here from my conversation with Jordan Riley, this first one that we're going to play. Again, one of the things that I was kind of struck by, it stuck out to me when we talked was how he said, yeah, you're not going to be overly impressed with my stats, but Adam Fisher was the guy during my recruitment who really, you know, he said, I thought more coaches would look more at the game film and not just with stats, but he kind of got the impression that guys were just, it was being very transactional. Let's look at his numbers. If we don't like the stats, we're going to move on. So here's Jordan Riley talking about why he thinks his game film should outweigh his stats and why that was an important part of his recruitment to Temple. When you hit the portal, does it is there kind of this feeling like, oh, here we go again? Does it feel weird going through the recruitment the second time around? Yeah, I thought it was going to be worse than the first time, but it really wasn't because not that much coaches recruited me during the second time around. And I, I'm like, it's a relief. But at the same time, it's like, where am I going to go? And one, and one thing that really like had me confused was like, the coaches look like at the, uh, they didn't look at like the game film, they looked at like the stats. So they was just going off the stats and basically how I thinking how I play like this and instead of watching the game film. So I was like, if you're not gonna watch the game film, what makes you think the stats is gonna, you know, determine how I play? Like if you watch the game film, then you probably get more of understanding of my situation. But most of the coaches didn't do that and I know Adam Fisher, he looked at my game film instead of the stats to see pretty much how I played and what went wrong with my season. And that's one thing that I liked about him too, that made me like Oh, this dude here, he knows the second clip that we're going to play for you here, again, gives you some insight. Again, we can talk like we were talking about a few minutes ago. How might Adam Fisher use his bigs? What are they going to do? What's their play style going to be? So as we've been covering recruiting, as we've been covering some of these guys who have either gotten offers from Temple or committed to Temple, we've asked them, hey, what does the staff talk to you about? 
in terms of how they want to play. And this is Jordan Riley talking about how Adam Fisher wants to play and how he wants to use him next season. Pretty much fast. He wants he wants everybody to get in shape. So that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Since I've been uh, focusing on schoolwork for the past three weeks, I haven't really gotten to the gym, but now I'm back to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he said shoot a lot of threes and uh, attack the hoop, get to the free throw line, and pretty much play, <laughs> you know, pretty much play you know, great defense on him. Since he has me and uh, Jalil and I said, he says pretty much all three of us going to be fighting to guard the best player. I have guys that got to play defense like me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that leads to a lot in uh, playing, you know, the game. And when he was showing me uh, clips, he was showing me how uh, defense leads to offense. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much how I want to play. And that's pretty much how I play. All right. So, again, if you haven't subscribed, now's a good time. Got some more updated staff news for you. I mean, one that, that that was announced earlier on Friday and something that we have been prepping fans for that Kyle's been on top of. Andrew Ortelli is the new video coordinator. He came over from Kentucky, so there's another role there. Kyle also broke some other staff news that you might want to know about. So again, if you're an Alscoop.com subscriber, you can get that on our basketball message board. If you're not subscribing, you're missing out. And as I mentioned before, there's a little bit of insight there from us in terms of how they might use those last two available scholarships with Steve Settle verbally committing on Friday earlier today. They're at 11 scholarship players now. So moving over to football, some additional recruiting news there since we last talked to you. Temple got a verbal commitment from East Tennessee State University defensive lineman Davion Hood. He was a 2022 Southern Conference all-freshman team pick. So, you know, Temple could be getting an ascending player here Kyle, I should know this. If you're an FCS player and then you transfer up, is he still, is he locked into if he would, if it, let's say, and again, we're really, really projecting on this. Davion Hood comes in, gets eight sacks. Does he have to, he would have to sit if he wanted to transfer again, even if it was from FCS to to FBS this time around? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, prior to transfer portal craziness, it was if you wanted to go from FCS to FBS, you had to get a waiver or sit out a year. It was if you went, to go mm-hmm. down, you didn't have to sit out. Yeah, so with, with that logic still in mind, he'll use his waiver to play right away in 2023. And then, yeah, he would have to either grad transfer or get something else. But you are putting the... the oh, certainly. Absolutely. The absolutely. absolutely. He becomes arguably the best defensive lineman of all time. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I'm talking more about how, you know, again, if you're getting a transfer, are you either... you know, When you get a guy as a transfer, one of the benefits is that you'll have them for longer if you want them for longer. So it looks like here they, they at least they would humbly think that they got an ascending player. Of course, we have to see what Davion Hood does when he gets to Temple. But, you know, there's... Yeah, I think, I think he's a guy who I don't know if he ends up with his hand in the dirt or if he's more of a Leighton Jordan where he's going to play like outside linebacker and just kind of uh, pass rush. I mean, he's only six, uh, 230 or so, probably put on a little bit of weight, but he could just be an outside linebacker. And if that's the case... Uh, you might not see him right away because, look, they have guys like Leighton Jordan and Trey Thomas is healthy again and uh, Florida transfer Taiwan Black's out there. But, like, Leighton Jordan, this is the last year of eligibility. It's building depth, seeing where these guys come. For all I know, he might come in and get nine sacks right away. I mean, he did start as a redshirt freshman, granted, at the FCS level, but I think he's more of a down-the-line guy. Mm-hmm. So if you're an Al Scoop subscriber, you'll have the chance to read 
Ramy Vaughn's story on one of the better wide hits in the in the DMV from the 2025 class. It's Emmanuel Dyson, who also played at the Matha, where Steve Settle played. And we'll have more football recruiting. And content. where who else played? Damatha? Well, a ton of play, ton of players. Chester Stewart. Oh, yes. <laughs> Number seven. Declan was probably what in grade school when when Chester Stewart was Temple's quarterback. Yeah. 2008, uh, nine-ish. Well, he was a, a Temple's quarterback for him some years he shouldn't have been. I think he played in like 20, 2007 as a true freshman mm-hmm. against Penn State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he was in that that game that they won on the road against nine and nine against Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Very efficient. Had a had a touchdown pass to Evan Rodriguez, right? Yeah. On that yep. wheel route they kept running. Yeah. Yep. And Adazio was just... a lot of times I forget my kids' names. Like I'll call Jordan Haley, but I remember Chester Stewart's stat line from 2010. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ryan Mirror caught up with Emmanuel Dyson. Again, he's a uh, player from the 2025 class, but Got an offer from from Temple, some cool insight there as to how Temple's build a connection with them there. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more football recruiting content for you on the way. Jump over to the mailbag here. And again, we've got some, we had uh, had a few more questions uh, trickle in not long before we started recruiting, uh, recruiting, recording. We are not recruiting, just to be be clear. Recruiting maybe some new interns for next year, but. I was going to say, I think we're always recruiting. Yeah. You, you look like you like Sinead O'Connor in that music video now. You're just a floating head with like nothing compares to you. Yeah. I was thinking that like 10 minutes yeah. ago. I was like, this is kind of <laughs> so I look like crap and Declan looks like Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. Well, he yeah. looks like Sinead O'Connor in this scenario, not like physically, just like because he has the black like uh backdrop. Declan, do you it. know who do you know who wrote nothing compares to you? Uh is this a joke? I mean, obviously it's Prince. Like, what are we? Okay. All right. I'm impressed. On, I'm now. impressed. All right. I love that talk. Okay. There we go. All right. You never know. Just uh, don't burn a photo of the Pope. Yeah. Nope. Wouldn't dream of it. Wouldn't yeah. do that. Not <laughs> on SNL. <laughs> no. How about Declan hitting, hitting some, uh, some three deep three here? Yeah. I love that song. Like, I'm not Shira even God. kidding. Love that song. All right. It's locked in. Locked in this week. It'll, it, it's in. in the running to be the new Al Scoop alma mater song. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the original one. I've already been working on my rendition. Javon will hate you if you sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first uh, first question here is from one of our subscribers. The screen name is Al I eighty nine. Question here: Based on what you've seen so far with how the roster is shaping up, has Temple's recruiting taken a leap forward? It feels like it used to be easier to assess recruiting when a player was coming out of high school as a three or four star player. But with the portal, it's tougher to track. Appreciate your thoughts. So, yeah, we got a couple of recruiting-related questions here. That's that's an interesting question. Obviously, small sample size. But what, what do you guys think here? Uh, with maybe even just using, and again, they've they've had their hits, they've had their misses. You know, they tried getting Will Johnston from UT Rio Grande Valley, didn't get him. They didn't get Dylan Adewusu out of out of St. John's. Ended up going to to Seton Hall. I mean, a lot of times. One of the main reasons has been NIL. So they've lost out on some guys. They uh, Obviously, this week they picked up two guys. Kyle, I'll start with you. What do you think on this? Do you feel like their recruitment is is taking a, a leap forward or at least a step in the right direction? Yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think a, a staff's true recruiting prowess, even with how obviously important transfer portal and, and NIL is nowadays, I think like a true recruiting prowess is kind of based still on like high school kids. 
where it's like, okay, if with this class of 2024, if you conv- convince this kid to go to a temple instead of Nova or Maryland or even like a scene hall, then that's a little more impressive than me than sometimes some of the transfer portal stuff. Because with transfer portal, there's so many different reasons why t- players choose teams. I want to go closer to home. This team's offering me the most money. I was at a higher level and now I need to get film. So I'm going to go down like a lower level. It's not really comparing like everything on the same playing field. High school, a lot of that's still kind of the same. Like you're like just out recruiting kids. Yeah, is there an IL for high school kids? Absolutely. But like I think it's more um you can kind of see how how good of recruiters they are with that. I think it's they're heading in the right direction. I feel better about their recruiting now than I did three weeks ago, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, once when they missed out on Will Johnson, they missed out and they missed out on Adi Wusu, that wasn't a good look necessarily for them. Like they shot their shot and they came up short with those, unfortunately. But since then, like, yeah, they've gotten three straight guys that they honed in on so mm-hmm. i don't know if it's also hard to compare our first year staff that's been together for five weeks to a four-year staff that had been together right. for four years like yep. like it was a couple months ago so i don't think it'd be fair to necessarily compare them to the end of aaron mckee's era Declan, any any thoughts yeah just you know kind of reiterating what kyle said it's a step in the right direction i think and it's it's tough too because when you're recruiting somebody out of high school, you have no idea what they're going to look like at the college level and how much of it is going to be development, you know, and how much of it they're going to be able to adapt to. And uh, on the other hand, when you're looking at somebody that played college ball, you kind of know, you know, what they look like against adults rather than just in their own kind of high school league. Um, and you don't know, how you know more how they handle like just outside of basketball, like college itself and how they have their routines and like just, you know, minuscule daily things that athletes have to deal with. Um, so I think it's, it's very different in that aspect too, but yeah, I think the big thing is, you know, this, this team has been together for, you know, a month or so now compared to Aaron and his staff had four years, like Kyle said. So it's, it's very like, we, we've only seen a small snapshot of what the recruiting might look like. And obviously recruiting is going to be easier if they have success this season too. So it's a step in the right direction, but it's, it's too soon to tell, I think. Mm. So we'll jump to this next one. Uh, it's a little bit down the list, but we'll, to kind of keep things cohesive here, to follow up on recruiting, the next one comes from the screen name TUOWL08. His question is, how good will this staff be with a decent NIL war chest? I like what I'm seeing so far with the staff doing more with less. So, yeah, I think they could. I mean, look, a lot of staffs could be good with a decent NIL war chest. I mean, you see guys going to schools who are like, okay. That's <laughs> this guy ended up there because there was money. And again, to be clear, I'm not I'm not bemoaning these kids' choices. If you if you have a chance to make some life changing money or something close to it, life changing compared to where you are at this point in your life in college, good for them. I would think Temple's staff could be pretty dangerous with, with a decent NIL war chest because, again, like Declan said, like Kyle said, small sample size, but. In the, the recruits that we've talked to so far, some common themes, a lot of energy, a lot of energy, a lot of attention to detail as to how they can make me better. They do some of the things that we haven't seen in a while. They're fun and engaging on social media. Of course, we haven't seen Adam Fisher's sideline persona yet, but 
one of the the criticisms of Aaron, good, bad, or indifferent, and again, I don't really question his knowledge of the game, was that was he too old school? Does he is he too hard on these guys? Does he not have a lot of fun? Does he should he be more engaging on social media? Should he be doing this? Should he be doing that? If, if these guys, and again, I, I think that they approach talking about NIL the right way. And I talked to Bobby Jordan a few weeks ago when I talked about recruiting in general. He he his answer was not. Yeah, it's a lot different now. I don't like it. It's just I'm more of an old school guy. He just said, no, you got to adapt. It is what it is, which is the right thing to say. So I think that they have the right identity and the right outlook, and they know that they need to adapt. And if they don't want to adapt, then they're, they're in the wrong line of work. So I think, yeah, with a decent, with we're more NIL resources, sure. I think they could be very good. You guys are just nodding in, in agreement. Thumbs up. You did it. That was a great <laughs> answer. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Short and sweet one here. This is from Twitter from Blair. Blair Aylward uh, is the name. Do they need to do walk-on tryouts for any last spots? No. Well, I mean, they need them for walk-on spots, right? For walk-ons, yeah. If you're asking like, oh, because like the the go-to like Twitter joke a month ago was like, oh, will Temple even be able to put like field a team? And like, yeah, they will. And like, yes. But that being said, yeah, I'm sure like Ryan Cyrus is gone. I'm sure there's a walk-on. Uh, another one from from Twitter, this one uh, from Andrew Forgotch on Twitter. I know there are still additions coming, but with the portal additions to this point, how does this lineup compare to last year? And the early answer, we you know, you don't, at least on the surface right now, you don't have that guy like Damian Dunn, like who's going to be capable of getting you 30 or 32 or really like going off on a night where no one else is is doing that. and. Good, bad, or indifferent. You don't have a guy like like Caleb Battle who's going to be able to, you know, get streaky like that. Beyond that, I don't know. It's it's a lot well, of you know, remains to be seen. I just to set expectations. Like this is going to be year one of the Adam Fisher right era, right? Like to compare him to again year four, uh, completing a complete recruiting cycle of Aaron McKee is is unfair. It's, I guess, encouraging that they got people that maybe fit the mold of Caleb Battle, where, like, look, Quante Berry, Jordan Riley, their early careers are exactly like Caleb Battle's. They went to the Big East, they showed some flashes, they had they transferred down, and then Caleb Battle kind of became that 20-point game guy once he got here. But, like, we don't know yet. Um, I just think if you're going to go into next season right now and be like, well, if they don't make the tournament, then it's a failure, then, like, you're setting yourself up for unreasonable expectations. I think the good thing is this: these recent recruiting wins – uh, make it more reasonable that okay maybe they're flirting with 500 or they're a little above 500 or they're the sixth seventh eighth fifth best team in the conference as opposed to like they went five and 25 and you're like what the hell is going on like i think they can win some they can they can be competitive with this roster right now but a guy like uh, we haven't talked about him on this pod yet and i know i would imagine he'll come off the bench is matteo piccarelli from umbc right. who can really shoot the heck out of the ball and yes, you wanted that out of a guy like Zach Hicks who was starting, but they really, they really struggled with that. Obviously, they, but you know, we're not breaking any news when they say they went through, when we say that they went through a lot of of scoring stretches and scoring slumps. You would have hoped that maybe a guy like Shane Dazoni could have been something like that off the bench, and maybe he will be this year. We'll see. But Piccarelli, a guy that you know could come off and, and and get four or five threes off the bench for you. They they have an option like that. We'll see how it goes, but that's maybe a um a difference that you you don't have. But like Kyle said, you know, if you're if you're going and I get where the comparison comes from. If you're going year four to year one from two different coaching staffs, like 
like we said, I think you're setting yourself up for a little bit of uh, disappointment there. Joe Becca, one of our subscribers, longtime Scoop subscribers, his question is very early starting five projections. Declan, because of the confused look on your face, I'm going to put you on the spot. I just, I think it's too early to tell, right? It like, is, you know, but answer the question anyway. Oh, geez. Don't shy away from it. Uh, okay. I mean, look, you brought back Kaiser Miller for, for a reason, right? Feels like he's going to be the starting point guard, I think. Um, past that, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's it's way too early to tell. You got to see if they get another big man out of the portal that can go in and rebound. If so, because that that five position, if it even happens, like we said in the podcast, like it it might not look like the traditional lineup that Temple has had of recent. Uh, but you need somebody that can at least go in and, and try and get rebounds, right? So, uh, you know, maybe that is Steve Saddle. Maybe that's somebody else that they go get. But I I, ju I just think it's wide open. It's wide open. And I'm going to defer to Kyle, who knows more about this team than I do. But I, I just think there's nobody there's <laughs> nobody that's set in stone, obviously, starter material in did my you, mind. Did you hear Kyle say, there you go. He just, his face <laughs> is beaming. I'll look, say, you know, because I, I know him a compliment. I will say, look, I like people that like me. Um, I, <laughs> I'll say Fabe, um, Ja, but mm -hmm. probably Ja more like a four than like a two or a three. Settles are the ones that I'm like, okay, I'm pretty confident that you guys would start if, if they played tomorrow. The other ones is, I think it's two of the following three people. Fonte Berry, Jordan Riley, Shane Dezoni. Uh, my only reason for not just immediately putting Jordan Riley in the lineup is like, I think there would be um, some concerns there with him and Jaw, uh, both being in the same starting lineup if you want to shoot that many threes. Because, it, look, for all we know, maybe Riley is closer to what he was during that good stretch where he was, you know, a 35, 37% shooter than he was the rest of the season when he wasn't a good three-point shooter. Uh, if that's the case, then, like, you can start him. But, like, if he's still, like, a work in progress with stuff like that, I think he might be more of a guy off the bench initially, and that's where Shane Dezoni comes in. But if he – I'll say that. So I'll say – I'll give you six. It's Fabe, Shane Dezoni, Barry, Jordan Riley, Jaw Settles, but – one of those guys will obviously come off the bench. I think Piccarelli is an off the bench guy initially. Yeah, I would I would confidently say Heiser Miller, Jaleel White. I would say Jordan Riley, Steve Settle. It's that fifth. And again, I you know they they will. I'm sure if we get Adam Fisher on this podcast eventually, which I'm sure we will, and then leading up to the preseason, I think you know Fisher and his staff are going to say, hey, we want the five best guys on the on the on the court that can pass, dribble, shoot, defend. So again, you're not, again, I think we're long past the days of two, two guards, two forwards and a center. That fifth guy, again, I, I agree with Kyle, it could be Dazoni. It could be, uh, I don't like, are we discounting? Does Temple really have Tosh Tweet listed at 6'9 now? They did, and that concerned me too. They had him and Emmanuel Akoma at the same height, right? And I was like, I, <laughs> uh, maybe Tosh Sweet has hit a growth spurt that I'm not aware of. I, He's like 6'7". I, I think Tosh is closer to 6'7". You know, maybe he starts because he's an energy guy and maybe he's a, a defensive presence. If not, yeah, you see what you see how maybe a guy like Quante Berry takes off after a red shirting at Providence. So I think that fifth spot, again, we're talking about this in, in mid May, is the one that I'm not quite sure on. But I don't think it would be Emmanuel Pomo. I agree with I agree with Kyle. I don't think it would be Matteo Piccarelli. Don't think it would be 
I don't know. I'm just looking at the roster here. Zion Stanford coming in as a true freshman. Probably not. Uh, but again, he's got some size and length. We'll we'll see there. So uh, to close things out here, Pat Egan had I reached out to Pat this morning, asked him if he wanted to submit a mailbag question. Again, he's been a longtime Al Scoop subscriber and a longtime supporter of our podcast and uh, asked him if he wanted to submit a mailbag question. He usually just texts them in. And he said, I'm going away from sports. I'm broken. I'd love to know what the graduates are doing. So he's broken and he's upset because of the Sixers. So I say, I'd love to know what the graduates are doing. Me, Javon and Caden, that's about it. I wish them well. They will be missed. I still need a full Zoom of all the vets. I hate sports. I'm in a dark place. Lots of soul searching going on right now, looking inward. So, uh, I mean, Pat, we can tell you that, that Javon and Caden are on the job hunt, uh, close to some some exciting opportunities. I don't want to break any job news for them just yet but they're 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 going to be just fine we, we love them both very much very very talented people and then with that to close things out as we are talking about 97.5 the fanatic and again they've always been great in having some of our staff members on their shows in the past want to wish john kincaid the best of luck john if you follow him on social media announced this morning that he was recently diagnosed with colon cancer and john if you follow john in his career He's beaten cancer twice, and I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to beat it a third time. So my heart breaks for him because he's a really good human being, really loves Temple. Uh, Declan, I want to tip this over to you because he, John, it's been his goal, one of his goals ever since coming back from Atlanta and doing sports talk radio in Atlanta, coming home. Of course, he was excited about his full-time job at the Fanatic, but very early on, he reached out, reached out to David Boardman, Klein College's dean, and he reached out to me and said, I'd love to teach a temple and it took a little bit of time to get it together, the right class, right fit. But John is so impeccably, impeccably prepared. And I was flattered by how many times he reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, what do you think of, what do you think of the syllabus? What should I, what should I be doing? What could I be doing? And he's just so just tactically prepared. And he took the time. Declan remembers this. He came to campus even before he started teaching just to meet with some students. What are you looking for? I want to give you an idea of what I want to do, but what do you guys want to want to learn from me? And uh, we would just wish him the best of luck. He, he said he's going to be back in a, a few weeks. He's got a surgery coming up, but just uh, want to let him know we love him and we're thinking of him and we know he's going to be okay. But Declan, you, you took his class. What can you what can you tell people about John Kincaid? A lot of people know him from his work on the radio, but you took his class this spring. What's he like? Uh, I mean, I love John. I told him the first night I met him. Well, actually, I met him before even he came to campus in the fall. I met him the spring before uh, when he was taking his daughter on a tour of 1300, the residence hall, which is where I lived. And I was giving him a tour and took a picture with him. It was surreal because I used to listen to the big podcast with Shaq when uh, I was much, I, I told him I was much younger than I should have been listening to it. <laughs> and um, he, he's just an unbelievable personality and more than how knowledgeable he is and how great of a, a personality he is. He just like genuinely cared about every single person in the class and took time to listen to whatever two minute sample we threw at him. I mean, I talked about everything from, you know, some some thoughts that I had had and, uh, you know, talking about my personal life on air to talking about my dating life with Ramir and, you know, submitting an assignment on that. And he was always so willing. And we'll He's always that. so willing. To Will we be playing that next week, Declan? Uh, if you'd like to, I can find the, the clip. Life. It's a very good clip. It's uh, yeah. he loved that. He loved that. Okay. But he he's just, you know, for those of you who, ha who haven't met him, you could have any sort of conversation with him and he is going to care and he's going to remember, you know, months down the line, if you ever see him again, like I love John with my entire heart. 
And I know that he's going to beat cancer again because he just keeps doing it. He, he's, he's a heck of a fighter. He'll tell you that he learned it from his mom, who was also a heck of a fighter. Uh, John, is he's the best. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to him, obviously. But I know he's going to be good and he's because he, he just he always finds a way. He is. We're looking forward to hearing him back on the radio in a few weeks. So I want to thank all of you for joining us for another episode. Next week, we're going to have Fran Duffy from the Philadelphia Eagles, who, uh, again, he's the the host and producer of a couple of really cool podcasts there, uh, one of them being the Journey to the Draft podcast. And Fran, if you know, if you know a little bit about his career in the Temple football program, he got his start at Temple as, as uh, Temple's football video coordinator under Al Golden and was part of a staff that was just eventually – we came to know eventually that it was just full of superstars, whether it was Orion Day and Matt Rule, so on and so forth. And one of the early on guys on that staff was Sean Desai in a grad extern role or a grad assistant role is now Temple's, excuse me, the Eagles defensive coordinator. So we're going to be talking to Fran about his story as we do try to do it before the draft, but we wanted to wait until after all of the assistant coaches were announced. So we're going to be talking to Fran about just the various, various Temple connections with the Eagles talking to him about Hassan Reddick and it just how he evaluates players, how he's learned to understand and talk about the game at a super high level. So we're really looking forward to that. And again, we'll of course keep you updated on all the latest recruiting information as well. So again, thank you all for joining us for another week and we will talk to you next week.